It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest And a very good Friday morning to you as we welcome you along to another edition of Cork Today. John Paul and Sadie are both taking your calls at 1850-333-103. And I want to, st- to start by saying a huge thanks to everybody at City Hall and the Lord Mayor of uh, Cork City, Joe Kavanagh, because yesterday evening, if you were in and around the city, you may have spotted that Cork City Hall was lit up in the C103 colours of yellow and purple uh, to celebrate our 30 years on air and you know when I saw the photographs didn't get to see it because unfortunately it's outside my five kilometre travel so I wasn't able to travel to it but uh, John Paul uh, it's within his uh, 5k so he was able to go up and take some photographs uh, of it and it just looked absolutely stunning and I couldn't have felt more proud it really was terrific so well done to the Lord Mayor Joe Kavanagh who I know had a huge hand in making sure that the City Hall is lit up for us yesterday yesterday. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, thank you uh, very much. Now, later on in the programme today, mentioning John Paul, he'll be joining me in studio as he's done for the last number of Fridays. He takes a look at the local electoral areas and the number of new COVID-19 positive cases. We've been doing this. They started releasing them sometime in the end of the summer. I think they started releasing them. It's on gov.ie on a Thursday afternoon. They, they go live and then John Paul number crunches them all and he breaks them down to the different electoral areas and then he joins us and we do a comparison with where we were for the last 14 days compared to the 14 day period before that and for many weeks we had really low numbers and we were celebrating the fact of how well we were doing here in Cork and then ever so slowly Friday after Friday they started to increase and we were saying is this a bit of a pattern here and then suddenly before we knew it we had some very high figures across Cork City and County last week was particularly bad so look, I've just had a quick look over the figures before I came on air uh, this morning we're doing better thank God we are doing uh, better but more needs to be done so John Paul will go, will, will go through them and we do it every Friday because I'm very conscious and very aware that not everyone has access to the internet it's easy for if you've access to the internet and your computer literate, it's simple for you to make the few clicks and take a look at them online. But we are aware of many listeners who don't have, either don't have good broadband to do it or simply 
don't go online. So we'll be doing that later on on the programme today. And packed car parks, busy office canteens, people turning up for work with COVID-19 symptoms are among the signs of how the nation has let standards slip in recent weeks and now we've stalled the progress in driving down the virus. That was all from the Chief Medical Officer Dr Tony Houlihan speaking yesterday. He said after a major reduction of cases in the first phase of the lockdown, he now, and he used the word, we're now stuck at more than 400 new cases per day and he also says a week of the lockdown now has been lost as a result. However, he said while there is a significant way to go if people make a conscious effort to cut all of our daily contacts, work from home, stay at home between now and December, he says there is hope. He he is still optimistic if we all do what we're asked to do and he's asking people to put your foot on the gas and you know my foot's to the floor I, you know I really I, I, I can't think of anything else that I can do to limit contacts I haven't had anybody into my house I haven't gone visit anyone okay I turn up to work every day but I've been doing that since the very start of the lockdown and even here at work we are limited in the number of people that are in the building we're all socially distanced when we're at work we're all very careful there's never two people up in the canteen there's everyone is in individual offices so we're all doing we're certainly there isn't any packed uh, canteens and we're not all hanging out together and we come in and we do our job and we're gone again Uh, so you know at times I get frustrated when I hear him saying you know everybody needs to put your foot on the gas and you're just thinking whoa you know some of us are really really trying hard here and can't do anymore it just seems to be a small minority that's ruining it uh, for everyone else he went on to say like now is not the time to be socialising and he said while there is still a high degree of virus suppression showing that many people are following the rules there's signals of some slackening particularly since the schools returned after midterm break whatever it was that happened over that week of Halloween whether the figures were just too good for some people and complacency set in and people just seem to think actually we're okay uh, our area is fine and suddenly numbers started to go back up again now he wouldn't be drawn when he was asked by the, the media on what decisions will be made by Neffet it'll be next Thursday that Neffet will make recommendations on how much of the country will be able to open up from the start of December for Christmas now Philip, Philip Nolan was also at that press conference yesterday Philip Nolan heads up the team that tracked the virus he says MR marginal increase in people's close contacts has pushed the R number up. The R number now they reckon is between 0.7 and 0.9 and the reverse was also possible if people cut down on meeting others and we know the R number indicates the number of people who will get infected. If you get infected, the number of people you will pass it on to. The average contacts also of people who have been diagnosed, that started to increase. It was at 2.6 and now it's gone up to 3.2. For three weeks, he said, we saw case numbers declining at a rate of between 5 and 7% per day. But the real real 
good thing that happened was the reproduction number was falling and it actually went as low as 0.6 at one stage. He says we are, we are aware that case numbers have stopped declining and as a consequence the R number now has started to increase and as I say it's looking that it's at somewhere between 0.7 and 0.9. Yesterday the numbers sadly four more uh, deaths and the number of reported cases 429. Dublin numbers definitely starting to go up again. They had 173 of those cases but Cork also 44 new cases in Cork yesterday. 26 in Donegal 22 in Louth, 21 in uh, Kildare. Number of patients in hospital one bit of glimmer of, of hope. They remain stable. 290 in hospital, 33 are seriously ill, so they are in intensive care. And meanwhile, the HSE are saying that the number of patients who are picking up COVID-19 after being admitted to hospital that unfortunately is on the rise again and is now a source of uh, concern. Around one in a thousand patients overall so far have been infected while in hospitals but the number really increased the week up to November the 8th. Hundred people acquired went into hospital without COVID-19 and while they were inpatients they were diagnosed as COVID-19 COVID-19 positive and that was significantly up on the previous week and the main area of concern in hospitals uh, related to patients in emergency care even though the HSE are stressing that hospitals are still the safest place when people need medical care and they should uh, continue to uh, attend. So we all need to put our foot on the gas and everybody we just need to slow it all down uh, again because everybody is holding out and hoping for Christmas and in you know where are we at today 20th of November this time next month we will be at the start of Christmas week and what is Christmas going to look like for many of us many of us want to gather with family and friends over Christmas it seems limits on household visits will be lifted for Christmas week this is what is coming from the government inter-county travel will also be permitted but it seems like it'll be for a very brief period that obviously would allow people who live in a different part of the country and to allow them to go home to see to spend Christmas with family and friends. However, the public will be asked to limit the interactions to one main Christmas gathering over the period. And they're hoping by doing that it'll stop the spread of the infection. The country will be put into level three restrictions. I think everybody knows now we're going to go from level five to uh, level three at the start of December. But it's expected that different grades of level three will then be introduced throughout the month of December and that will very much depend on the rate of new infections. A number of options are being considered by the government and there is serious concern about managing expectations ahead of the lockdown. Central to their plans are a major easing of restrictions just for that last week of December so that Christmas week basically the advice will be issued closer to Christmas week and it looks like it will ask people to exercise caution to follow social distancing uh, rules over the festive period the final decision on the advice will depend on the rate of new COVID-19 cases once the lockdown ends however there are plans to lift the current ban on household visits for Christmas week and there will be no restrictions on the number of people you will be allowed to have in your household. And the Taoiseach Michal Martin and the Thánis de Leo Varadkar, they're coming under a lot of pressure from their own party members to give clarity to retailers and the hospitality 
industry on what restrictions will be in place after lockdown. And I've heard a number of businesses say this. It's no good for businesses to be told, OK, there you go now, we're lifting restrictions, you can open tomorrow at nine o'clock. All of those businesses are going to need a lead in and certainly the hospitality sector are going to need... Uh, you would imagine at least one week of a lead-in. No decision has been taken on whether pubs and restaurants will be allowed to open over Christmas. Still a huge question mark over that. Are if uh, any indoor services will be uh, permitted and obviously I'm assuming they're talking there about the religious uh, services. It's believed that it's highly unlikely at this stage that the wet pubs, the ones that don't serve food, highly unlikely that they're going to be open for any period over Christmas. And some publicans have already told their own TDs that they don't want to open up over the Christmas period because some of them are concerned that if there is a spread, the finger blame will be pointed at the publicans and that they will be blamed for it. And I know we we spoke with Michael O'Donovan of the Cork Vintners and he said certainly what publicans don't want is to be allowed to open for two weeks and then to be closed down again because he said there's a cost involved in that, in opening up the pub and if they're only opening up for a short period of time, they'll actually lose money by doing that. So I, I think whatever kind of a Christmas we're going to have, it is going to be very different for sure for from different from previous Christmases. And certainly there won't be scenes of people out in pubs. But I, I'm assuming the majority of people will say the government and NEFET are right to do that. It's, you know, it's one this is one Christmas of our lives and if we decide to all go out and celebrate the way we have done on previous years and then we get an explosion of the virus again, nobody will come out of level five after six weeks and they've been six tough weeks for a lot of people like nobody wants that we'll have this mad Christmas week, it'll all be but a distant memory and suddenly we're back into level five with people losing their jobs again so I think the majority of people will probably, there will be some who will complain and will want the pubs and the restaurants all open and all doing what they've always done on previous Christmases but I think the majority of people will be happy to know that the pub are, are not going to open over Christmas but as I say only time will tell and a lot of it final decisions will depend on where and how many new COVID-19 cases we have so I suppose everybody has a role to play in bringing down those numbers over the coming weeks 1850 333 103 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls you can now uh, you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 we were looking into an issue for a listener who had contacted us who had an air email uh, which she decided to leave because air started charging for their email account so she went and got a, a Gmail account instead which is free of charge but she found herself in a bit of a pickle a bit of a dilemma she needed to access an email that had been sent to the old air account earlier in the year and she's having a huge difficulty trying to get through to uh, air and she was looking for advice and we were telling her to be patient on the line but in the meantime we got through to air to see was it possible to retrieve an old uh, email and we've passed on the listeners details and air uh, say it may be impossible to retrieve the account but they're looking into it for her but they do want us to get the message out to people that if customers choose to close an account after a period of time the account and the information within it is completely deleted and the process is irreversible so if you do decide to close your air email account Make sure if there's anything in the sent items or the inbox or the drafts, make sure that you've forwarded a copy of it on to whatever Gmail or whatever new email 
address you decide to go to because after a period of time they delete all of the information and then that process is irreversible but for our listener uh, because it was only a number of months ago I think she got rid of the account they're trying to see if that they can help her out so our thanks to AIR uh, for that Now Elizabeth is in from Moyes contacted the programme Good morning to you Elizabeth Good morning Patricia Hope you're well this morning I, I, I am indeed You're in a bit of a pickle about the flu jab I am Tell I us what's going on We just My partner I We just say, can't seem to get it I've been on to my doctor I keep bringing back every two weeks I know I can understand that there's wherever in, with the thing but somebody is telling lies the government says the doctors have it now I was told to go to my nearest um, chemist mm. you know within my radius and they said no it's all for the pharmacy or for the, um, the doctor's surgery so I don't know whether is there anyone can tell me where we can get it because my partner he had a touch of pneumonia two years ago I'm really terrified so I'm more terrified now than the COVID. So he he's in the Asheris group. He's one of the yeah, ones. Well, well, actually, we're in. I, I'm I'm in my seventies. You know. Okay, so you're both in the yeah. Asheris group yeah. and are entitled to the free flu jab. Yeah. And do you have you gotten it on previous years? Every year, yeah. Every single year, yeah. So what is what is your doctor telling you? I don't. I'm not going to name names or anything no. over the year. But um, I just I don't get to the doctor as you know. You just get to the person that answers and every time I go is we haven't got it ringing two weeks I'm ringing yeah. two weeks for the and last you know, in, six in, weeks eight in, weeks in defence because we've spoken with some doctors themselves who were just so frustrated about it they get I remember one week they were all expecting to get you know their yeah. a, a lot and most uh, GP practices got 20 and I remember one doctor telling us I have 190 people on the list for tomorrow and he said yeah, I've, so been given, you, I've heard yeah, the I've been given I, I, 20 I pre- vaccines I appreciate all that but I'm just wondering if anywhere we can get it you know what I mean yeah okay let's do a shout out to see does yeah, anybody know it, and you're in the Fomoy area and well I'll be in that catchment yeah. and obviously you're told to stay within your 5k even though you could move outside the 5k for that because that would be yeah. deemed that yeah. would be deemed essential yeah. okay so uh, either uh, obviously your GP just doesn't have it so we'll put the shout out to see if any pharmacies because pharmacies you can get it free at the pharmacy as well if yeah. you're in the if you're in the asterisk group and you know Elizabeth I don't think you're on your own I think there's a oh, lot of other people in the same boat. No, I'm, I'm, no, but it's just this morning when I rang up, it just kind of annoyed me now after ringing for the two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. We're not even on a list. Uh, OK, and we'll get on to the HSC. We'll send an email off to the HSC to see. Because uh, well, I know that the HSC held back on 50,000, which, can I say, 50,000 is a drop in the ocean from yeah. the 1.3 million. And they say they've held back on it because they reckoned there was something like 600,000 vaccines out there unaccounted for. Now, doctors are saying, no way, we've gotten rid of all of the vaccines as we are getting them in. So somewhere along the line, there is misinformation and mistruths, but it's to work out where all these vaccines are gone. Yes, exactly. OK. But I mean, I'd hate to see what the problems would be like now with the COVID vaccine, if this is the case, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it looks all right on paper, as they say, but, you know. And you're but worried I'm, for your partner in particular? I am. I am, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I would get, but I, would, I didn't get as bad as what he had now. I mean, he was very borderline on, on the, you know, the pneumonia. So uh, that's, that's the main thing. But yeah, here, so you, you know. Yeah, trying to get, yeah. I mean, it, you could say, oh, I won't bother. And 
if anything did happen. I know. It's the age group as well, you know what I mean? The only thing I would say to you, Elizabeth, on a positive, the, because everybody is social distancing and wearing masks, yes. there's very little flu. There's, there's been, I, I don't know if there's been any reported cases of flu yet. We may avoid a flu season this year, which would be fantastic. Hopefully, yes. But I know you don't want to take that risk. You'd still prefer to have the vaccine and yes. feel protected. But the thing about it is, I mean, when, when I very seldom go out, but when I do, I make sure, like, and I think it should be every year now after this, even for the flu season. You know what I mean? But you know what I mean? It kind of um, it might keep the flu down. Yeah. What, to wear the mask? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I would help All right. everybody. Okay, stay safe. So, thank you very no much. Problem. Patricia, no problem. No problem. You thank too, you Elizabeth. Much. And we'll get on to the HSC, just see, because as I say, I really do not believe that Elizabeth is the only one of our listeners, along with her partner, who's in the Asterisk group, entitled, told by the HSE at the start of the flu season, you know, they were running the ads, go out and get your flu vaccine, trying her best and keeps ringing. Every, and I know we were saying to listeners to stop ringing the GPs on a daily basis because the GPs were getting swamped with people. Any vaccines? Any vaccines? And that's why they were told, no, we'll be back again in two weeks and we'll let you know. And in fairness to Elizabeth, she held off. She was only ringing every two weeks to be told, no, we don't have any and you're not even on a list if we do get a vaccine in. So if anybody can offer advice to Elizabeth or how many more are in Elizabeth's boat waiting and a bit nervous about the fact that she hasn't had her flu vaccine at this year. And as I say, we will send an email off to the HSE to see if we can get any clarity from them. 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Or today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. And a listener is asking by text, uh, text, Patricia, will hotels be allowed to open in December? Well, if we move into level three on the 1st of December, which is what we're expecting to do, under level three, hotels, guest houses and B&Bs can remain open, but with services limited to residents only. So if you're planning on staying in a hotel as a resident, you be okay but we don't know at this stage when level 3 comes out uh, will level 3, will we move from level 5 to level 3 with tweaks to it? We don't know for sure so you're going to have to, you're going to literally just have to wait and see but if it's a particular hotel you have in mind I would suggest contacting them and they certainly will be able to tell you what they are planning on doing. 1850 Now this weekend the independent doll Deputy Michael Collins was disappointed in the refusal of the Taoiseach Micheál Martin to set up a task force for the West Cork region. Deputy Michael Collins joins me to outline why he is calling for such uh, a task force. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. And and you're welcome. Why do you believe a task force is so badly needed at the moment for West Cork? Well, I I named them out in the Dáil leaders questions on on Tuesday with the Taoiseach uh, where I had an opportunity to highlight a number of um, issues that are of serious concern to West Cork where funding has been starved to them for the last number of years, I mentioned about the N71 and the R586, where we haven't had a, 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 a N71, basically from Bandon to, to Skull, or the Bell of the Hub, and through Clannacilty and out west, um, and the, the R586 from Bandon in, via Dunmanway uh, to Pantry that has been starved of funding for simple passing bays. Um, uh, and I did admit that, OK, we're getting money for pothole repair and storm repair, but there's no future thinking. And there's been any investment in a, in a, uh, in bypasses. We're looking at Inishannon has been overlooked uh, in the budget again this time. Bandon um, uh, Southern Relief Road has been overlooked. The Northern Re- Relief Road um, hasn't been even started and it has been overlooked. The Bantry bypass has been promised for the last 30 years 
has been overlooked. And what I was trying to, the point I was trying to make, you cannot continuously stand uh, as a Taoiseach or uh, me as a, as a TD to the Taoiseach in front of, in front of the, the nation saying, oh, you know, it is okay, we don't need a task force. West Cork is doing well. And it's not in, in, in pockets and in areas we are doing well, unfortunately, up until COVID. Anyway. But we certainly are starved of investment. And I looked, I, I said, the only um, serious investment, game-changing investment to West Cork in relation to our roads was in Skibreen when they opened the bypass in 2003. And we shouldn't have to wait 17 years for, for a proper investment in our roads, Patricia. Yeah, and you know, you make a valid point in a, in a lot of the bypasses in particular that, that you mentioned. I mean, I'm, I'm celebrating 30 years sitting in this seat and a lot of the bypasses you've mentioned there, we've been speaking about almost since the programme uh, began. So, I mean, it isn't just this government. It's successive governments seem to have all these promises come out and then nothing happens. I mean, why? why I mean, why, what have the good people of West Cork ever done to governments? That's the point and the point I've been making since 2016 that we need to be put on some kind of a fair playing field. It's not always going to be a level playing field because sometimes the, the, the senior ministers wag the tail as to where money goes. But like we need to be put on some kind of a playing field and a task force in my view was the opportunity to do that. And I named out a number of issues in Clannacilty. They're facing major water shortages, a massive town that's, that is doing well in relation to employment in Wisconsin. And the, 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 the construction construction sector there has been talking to me they're saying they're willing to build houses there's talks of 600 houses it can't go ahead because there's no water there there's a lack of funding from Irish water to, to build to, to, to build up the the, the water um, storage in, in Clannacilty you look at the re, you know the teacher was very much on to me on the day saying oh, put forward uh, shovel ready projects you look at one of the projects I spoke to him about was the re, uh, under the rural regeneration funds, a shovel-ready project that the Cork County Council supported on two occasions for rural regeneration funds, the Skull Harbour Development uh, Project. And what, the sad thing, and I watched that very closely because I supposed to be close to my own heart being in Skull, but the, uh, the, what, what frustrated me is I saw projects throughout the country, Patricia, that were only aspirational, getting funding for rural regeneration funds. This was a shovel-ready uh, um, hundreds of thousands put in by local people in the community to bring it to shovel ready, to bring it to planning permission, and it got continuously refused. And I've even called for an independent inquiry as to how this happened when aspirational uh, projects up and down the country were getting millions of euros. So, like, th- th- there is an issue here, and I suppose I bro- broke it down. And obviously, the banditry businesses have been flooded weekly. There's a lack of investment by the OPW and others into, into infrastructure and banditry. But I did break it down and I said, okay, the teacher could easily have said to me, these are all historical, they are nothing to do with me. But the week before, they announced 63.5 million in Greenway funding. And not one cent of that came into West Park. And there's brilliant projects from Park to, to Kinsale, uh, there's the, the railway lines in Shannon to Bandon, there's old railway lines from Bandon to Skull, from Bandon to Bantry. And there's an opportunity there. It is begging out for funding for a massive boost for tourism. And, and, and we know it, yeah. from other parts of the country, I mean, these greenways are this kind of the big success story, I think, from tourism uh, over the last number of years. We know the benefit that it brings to an area. So it is desperately frustrating for people when this greenway funding got announced and West Cork just forgotten about Completely. 63.5 million is a lot of money. And I have spoken to Minister Eamon Ryan since, and he has said to me, OK, he'd he refocus uh, on West Cork going forward. And the Taoiseach is very much, oh, you go go back to Deputy Commons and bring the issue of ready project. I certainly can't do that. But what I'm saying is put together a task force that 
Well, regeneration. Well, if, if there are shovel-ready <clears throat> projects, why why not bring them up? Why, why not present them to the Taoiseach like he's asked? And I did that uh, the last day. I mentioned to him, to, like, he knows they're there, and he must know they're there, like, because I've been bringing this up even when he was in uh, opposition, even though he was supporting the government previously. I have been bringing these up on the doll continuously, that they, like, shovel-ready project in Skull, just an unbelievable project has been omitted for whatever reasons, uh, even uh, that time ministering, I, I, I can't think of their country. Would you look at other issues too, Patricia, like Ben, and, you know, and I've been mentioning this uh, on your programme and with d- different uh, d- uh, different times of the different government in relation to the secondary school situation there. Again this year, parents, there could be anything up to 80 parent families now being, have been got letters in the last two or three weeks saying there's no place for them in any secondary school in Bendel. And there's a nightmare crisis they're facing there again once more. So do they put another little porter cabin on to another school, Hamilton High or St. Brogan's or whatever they're going to do to resolve it again this year? It's unfair and it's wrong. And I'm saying that there needs to be a focus. And I did ask the question with the IDA because I, I had a meeting with the Bendel uh, Business Association, a Zoom meeting recently, and they said, when last did the IDA announce a, a, a serious amount of jobs for, for a big area like Bendon. And I mean, that could be anywhere in, in West Cox, Skipperine or anywhere like that. It isn't the focus, it's not there. And what my meaning, Patricia, for a task force is someone from the NRA, the TII, Irish Water, the Cork County Council, a business people in West, a business people in West Cork, the farming and fishing sector, tourism, the IDA and the OPW. We need to have these sitting around the table and focusing on West Cork. And then Fourth issue that this has to be got across the line, but it has to come from the government. It has to support my idea. I'm not giving up on it. The Taoiseach had threw in the toll too quickly. He should have said at least he'd research it and see was it a, was it a working option. It certainly is a working option, and it's our only way to maybe get get serious funding for West Cork. Ray, one of our listeners on Twitter says the only reason the government don't want to help West Cork is it would destroy Kerry uh, tourism. Uh, and I sense from Ray's comment he is annoyed and frustrated that money seems to have gone into Kerry but not gone into Cork. Well, you see, when they set up this task force recently, you know, in tourism, um, there was nobody from Cork uh, or West Cork put on that task force. And it was an important task force because of the COVID situation. Um, it, 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 it needed that. But why were we omitted again? And it's a question I continuously ask about them all. Why are we omitted? The Taoiseach said that, you know, when he, when he, when he answered, he was trying to be evasive slightly on the task force, uh, even though I pushed him and pushed in the end. He just said, Asher, look, they're a quick waste of time. But he's the guy that sets up all these sorts of uh, advice groups and whatever usually. But he's saying, uh, he said, look, you know, look at the flooding recently. We gave money to West Cork. It, unfortunately, that's misleading the people because what people got was a, what it was, the humanitarian aid. And I have just checked out, and I would say maybe one, at the very most two in ten will get funding out of that. That's a very, and the same with Cork City, it doesn't matter where in West Cork, no private house will get funding. He's, he's praising how, how much money they're putting into this humanitarian fund. No private house will get funding from this um, humanitarian aid for flooding. No, uh, if you have insurance and the access is 10, we'll say access, access sorry, is, is 10,000 euros, you won't get a brown cent from this. And I know I know people that applied for it and had no insurance because they couldn't afford insurance and they didn't get funding when they got uh, flood destroyed. So for him to say that, look, all the money we gave to West Cork for flooding, one and one or two and ten applicants isn't good enough. What I'm trying to say, Patricia, is set up this task force, focus on these issues, and then we fight to get these across the line. Put the spotlight on, yeah, put the spotlight on West Cork. Somebody says, Patricia, it's all down to electoral promises that are never kept Government be damned. That's from Bernie and people sick of uh, government promises and promises made in the lead up to uh, elections. And what about a united approach here, Michael? Could all of the public representatives from 
all over West Cork come together and almost have a united front and go to the Taoiseach? I, I think, well, the Taoiseach said in, in, in my speech that he was t- talking to the other public representatives um, on issues as well. I, I think we have a united front on, on many issues, but like, I, I've been there maybe longer than the other two representatives and that's no disrespect to them. They've, they've come in there recently and I've been focusing on these issues for quite some time, like, uh, you know, the Skull Harbour development. I brought that up several times to Minister Ring and he, he, it was embarrassing to hear the excuses, but he was focusing on funding closer to home rather than giving it around the way. So definitely, I don't mind who I work with going forward and that means if the, if the three public representatives have to sit on this task force going forward, that's very important that we would, I think, and, and, and councillors maybe too, what I'm saying is what we need to do is get these issues across the line. I certainly am willing to work with anybody to do that. They're, 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 these are only just a fraction of what needs funding out there, but certainly if we got our roads, because we need to improve our access into West Cork, our roads are very, very important. We cannot be listening to announcement after announcement about the Southern Relief Road. If I hear any more about the Southern Relief Road in Bendon, you'd fill a Bible with the promises that have been done there. Heidi says, morning Patricia, it's uh, great to hear Deputy Michael Collins uh, on this subject. We need to get these issues sorted. Uh, Tell him well done to use his voice. He needs to shout out for uh, us. Okay, we'll keep a close eye uh, on this, uh, Michael. Um, And just while we have you on the line, any update on the future of the cataract bus uh, to Belfast? There was another one went last weekend, was there? Did I see one last weekend? There was, there was last weekend and I I would say there'll be anything up to three or four before this December 31st because there's a huge fear from people out there that's coming to an end. I think people probably left it a bit late on the assumption that it would, there would be a solution. What I've been saying about this Patricia all along is that the, the, the HSE have decided to pull this scheme. I know from what I've heard behind the scenes and it's become factual uh, on paper before us. We're trying our best and I have questions with the Minister for Foreign Affairs on wings in excellent. They're straight up questions, one to one what's happening with it. We don't, because I've been, pardon the language, I've been bluffed a bit in the doll and there's been, there's, there's a, a cross-border uh, agreement for cancer patients from um, Donegal to Terry. That's continuing. Okay. There's a cross-border agreement, sorry, from uh, Belfast to Dublin for babies with, with heart defects. That's continuing. But the cross-border, EU, the, the EU cross-border was there in relation to, to cataracts. It looks like it's going to be discontinued. But the funny thing is, the legislation came out last week and said, we will see after patients coming from the north to the south but not from the south to the north. And what I'm saying is, OK, the EU, they're going out of it, Britain are, but they certainly could put some legislation in place to replace that. And we will be getting, please God, a, a new Catholic uh, theatre in Cork in two years' time. But yeah, but that's, that happens, yeah, yeah. in two years' time, people have, will have been gone blind uh, waiting, Michael. Um, but were we not told that the Irish government, we would have a separate agreement with Britain for the cross-border initiative? It, it looks like, from my discussion... There was to be a memorandum of understanding. And that came forward last week, and there's nothing on it in relation to patients going from the south um, to the north of Ireland, and, and that's my worry. And I want a straight-up answer. I hope to get that next week. Uh, I have people absolutely terrified, because I think they left it to the point saying, this will, I go the first year, or sometime middle next yeah, year. Yeah, wait until the weather is better and yeah, springtime yeah. No. And, and all of that. No, there's a frantic worry that uh, this is ending and I'm getting calls from okay, all Okay, well, well, listen, we'll, yeah. we'll chat you next week when you when you have a further update on that. But just as a question sure. in for you from Anne, why are Bantry Hospital not back doing x-rays anymore? I don't know why they stopped. And we have to now travel to Cork for an x-ray. Does Michael have any update on that? Um, I don't, but what I do know is that it's, it's the same situation with hospitals all over the country. Uh, all these procedures have been delayed, delayed. And, you know, I don't want to be 
uh, going on about COVID too much, but like I, I think we've focused so much on COVID, we forgot about uh, people that need procedures, done other procedures. And I'm saying I can tell you, like Patricia, there's a lot more people dying from other ailments, and 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 in in its own ways because of COVID, because they're they were you know the waiting list is too long, and they could they've been waiting for exits, they've been waiting for medical procedures, they're waiting for operations, and everything seems to be focused in on COVID, and they've forgotten about the cancers out there, and they've forgotten about even the mental health out there. There's a lot of other issues. So, I, but the worry I do have for Bantry is quite a lot of, from what I can gather lately, quite a lot of procedures, quite a lot of uh, emergencies are being shipped bypassed onto to Cork. I have very serious concerns. They're using COVID as an excuse, but I hope they're not using it as a bigger on a bigger picture and something we have to keep a very close focus. Is, is, uh, is that sounding like closure by stealth? It is, it is, and COVID mm. is a great excuse in ways, in some ways to, to do this, um, but we have to keep be very, very focused on Bantry General Hospital. And I mentioned that even the last day in this in this task force that I was trying to announce, uh, our look for the last day, I asked the Taoiseach, I said, look at, look at the endoscopy unit, promised the Bantry Hospital two, three years ago, not a thing, not a, bro- not a, not a sod, uh, turden, not a brick lead, promises, promises, and no delivery. Yeah, but sure, how many times have we said wouldn't Bantry Hospital or even Mallow Hospital be ideal for for the cataracts and it rather yeah. than people travelling up north, let them travel to one of our own hospitals. Okay, listen, we'll talk again. Uh, Michael, thank you for that and thanks for thank joining you. us on the programme. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, West Cork Independent Adult Deputy Michael Collins, 1850 John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 This week, Dublin Zoo launched a public appeal for help to raise funds to allow it to continue as it's been devastated by the impact of the COVID-19 restrictions. To find out how our own photo wildlife park is getting on, I'm joined by the director at the park and that's Sean McKeown. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Patricia. And How are you? I'm very well, and you're very welcome to the program. Now, Fota is slightly different to Dublin Zoo in that I believe you're still open, but I'm assuming you've seen a fall in visitor numbers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, this time of year, we'd have we might have three or four hundred a day at most in um, during the week in normal periods, and maybe um, up to a thousand at weekends. But um, at the moment, it's it's because it's a five-kilometre radius, etc., we would only have um, probably 50 to 60 a day midweek. So it's 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 down to about 20% of what it would normally wow. be. Wow. Um, and Dublin Zoo coming out this week saying they are literally running out of funds. They've they've been dipping into their reserves and they're, they're running out of money to feed the animals and to care for the animals. Financially, uh, Sean, what position is Photo Wildlife Park in? We are not just as bad as Dublin, but... Um, we have enough to keep us going till next April, so uh, or next March. Um, and if you know if things go work at a level three, but if they continue at a level five, it, it could be much serious. You know, it could be sooner than March. You know, so it's it's um, it's hard to predict. That's that, that's the whole issue around it. Um, we 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 can't predict for the you know what the coming year will be like and. Uh, Spending so, so normally we would uh, at this year have or require um, about a million um, to keep us going from now till till April, where we have Easter, and then we get a big boost at Easter normally, and uh, that keeps us going to 
to May, you know, through May, June, um, and we're into the really busy summer season where where we make our our fat to live mm. live over the following winter. So it's um, and it was the period over east that really really hit us um, in twenty twenty. Because you lost uh, that completely. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, yeah. How so did you get on in the summer? There was a you know an easing of restrictions yeah. in the summer, and, and we were all doing we our did, bit to we, staycation. Did you do okay? We did. We did quite well in in in, um, in July and August. We had um, not record years, but you know, quite you know, uh, busier than slightly busier than last year uh, in July and August. September um, surprisingly was um, quite busy. Um, because I think a lot of the staycations and mm. um, uh, old, older people, you know, staying in hotels, etc., coming to us, we we got a lot of um, business through hotels uh, this year, much more than than previous years. Great, but it's the uh, but it is the big unknown going forward is where you're at it now. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing that you know, during Storm Ellen, we had. Um, our seawall, you know, we have about 450 metres of a seawall around the lower lake area and um, we had planned in 2020 to raise the height of that wall um, but because of, of the, and, and replace sluice gates on it, uh, and because of the COVID and lack of income, we didn't do any, you know, capital works and that's how we were surviving this far um, uh, and that work after Storm Ellen um, that work is much more urgent uh, and it's something we, we really have to do in 2021. Yeah, you won't, you won't have that, any choice. And all your all the costs, Sean, at Photo Wildlife, they all remain the same regardless of how many people come through the gates. Am I right yeah. in saying that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, they, they go up, you know, because in summer we would have a lot more people working there and then the animals spend a lot, you know, the, the giraffes and and. and Zebras and bison and things are grazing a lot more. So, uh, and there's a lot of grass growth and plenty of leaves to give them to give the giraffes, etc. So, in terms of the food bill, it's probably less during the summer, and uh, then during the winter, the cost of you know food is higher, actually, and uh, heating, etc. Is you know the heating animal houses, etc. Is also higher. So, there's actually. In keeping the animals side of it, it's actually more costly during the, the winter months. Uh, winter months, when in the summertime, it's much more. You know, there's more costs around the public side of it. Um, yeah. Would a listener is wondering? Would you consider a public appeal like uh, Dublin Zoo have been forced to do this week? And, and I know Dublin Zoo were blown away uh, by the support that they've received. And when we mentioned it yesterday, I couldn't get over the number of people who were saying, "Will Vota do something similar?" Uh, more than willing to support Vota because people have such have have a great loyalty and a love for Vota Wildlife Park. Yeah, well, we um, didn't do an appeal really because um, we had funds, you know, that, that um, at this stage, and we knew Dublin were, were in much more trouble than ourselves. So um, rather than trying to, um, and, and Dublin is our parent company, so we want, didn't want to interfere with that, um, their, their fundraising. But um, on, on the positive side, a lot of people uh, in the last two days have been supporting us, ah. buying, buying memberships. Isn't that great? Uh, buying buying you know, Christmas vouchers, um, sponsoring animals. Um, a lot a lot of the fundraising 
that Dublin Zoo have done is, is, is via the, the sponsorship of animals. So we've had a, a huge increase in that in the last few days. So um, despite not actually having an appeal, um, a lot of people um, uh, have been very, very good and very supportive of the park and, and, and uh, donating funds, in, in, in some cases companies are giving us food, you know, food for animals. Um, I think that just shows in what great affection Photo Wildlife Park is, is held and people yeah. want to make sure that, because we will come out of this and, you know, life will return yeah. to normal and people want to make sure that places like Dublin Zoo and Photo Wildlife Park will be there when life returns uh, to normal. And I know there was some welcome news, Sean, this week. You are to receive some sort of short-term funding from the government. That's got to be welcomed. Yeah, um, that that would that would be good. Um, similar things, similar supports have been happening throughout Europe, in, in the UK, uh, in in other countries like Germany, France, etc. And um, that happened sort of July, August time. Um, we we have been, um, I suppose, trying to get the trying to lobby the government or trying to get the support from government uh, for the last three or four months. And um, I think with the with the realisation, you know, that Dublin Zoo was near closure, it suddenly come in to, to, to focus that um, the government needs to support us. And it, it won't be really around running costs. It will be, uh, I think, around some of the more cap, capital items that we need to do, like the... Um, or seawall and some of the um, primate houses that we're trying to change and increase the husbandry standards of the park. Okay, and how are all the animals that voted doing? I mean, have the, I mean, have their lives changed in any way because of the restrictions? Um, no, not not really. I mean, we still have people coming around, so um, I suppose it was more a bit more stark during um, last March and April, uh, May, when there was nobody in. Um, the primates probably would be the most the, the monkeys would be the most interactive with people mm. um, and would they miss people they would uh, they would yeah, yeah. I mean um, we, we'd, we'd try to give them more enrichment which is you know give them more things to do and make it more difficult maybe to find their food and spend more time doing that um, um, and that that is helpful but um a lot of animals this time of year um, would be used to less people in the park anyway, yeah, um, yeah. and be spending they spend more time indoors. Um, on, on a day like today, obviously they'd be out, and, and, and yesterday was a beautiful day, and it was it was um, uh, we we had about a hundred people in the park, so it, it, there is there is still the interaction there with the animals and the public. And um, it's good to see that. Long, yeah. long may it continue. And just to, yeah. uh, to um, actually, some people are surprised that, that you are open, but but you can remember it's got to be within your five kilometres. People can go if yeah. it's within your five um, kilometres. Okay, yeah. all um, right. And, and we're, we, we also have, you know, our education department is still open, so we have still have school visits, school um, classes that we do in, in, in practical courses in biology and ecology. Uh, we're still doing those. And that's 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 uh, part of the you know same operation as um, the government having schools open. So yeah. uh, 
and it's very much more outdoors. So it's um, particularly with transition years, they're trying to get them out um, outdoors a lot more and, and not being in, in a classroom setting. So which uh, we know is safest for the students yeah. as well. Yeah. Okay, listen, what's well, wrong? We wanted to check in to make sure that everybody was okay at Photo Wildlife uh, Park. So it, it is. Uh, it's good to hear from you today. So thank you for that, and thanks for joining us. Thanks a million. Bye bye. Sean McEwan there, who is the director of Photo Wildlife Park, certainly not in as dire a situation as Dublin Zoo that we spoke about yesterday on uh, the programme. And actually, I can see texts coming in. People didn't realise that they were still open. So that's very different because Dublin Zoo is closed. But Photo Wildlife Park has remained open if it is within your 5k limit for exercise. OK, some of your texts, just a quick rundown through some of your texts. Hi, Patricia, on Bantry Hospital that you touched on when you spoke with um, Deputy Michael Collins in the, in the last hour. It would be ridiculous to try and close a wonderful facility like this. They're building a children's hospital which I feel isn't needed as there's two children's hospitals in this country already. I can't understand why they, the powers that be, the Government, Department of Health, Department of Finance, don't put the money into existing hospitals that we already have in place. And that is from Burr in the city. Thank you for that, uh, Burr. And by WhatsApp, fair play to Deputy Michael Collins. Everything he said on your programme today made sense to me. Tell him to keep up the fight and the rest of them should be supporting him. I agree that there may be another agenda about sending people out of a local area for x-rays etc. Could it be closure by stealth? Uh, Also uh, because South Dock for Mitchellstown area that's in danger of closing as well and I'm fearful that they seem to be using covid as an excuse all the time to, and that's where the closure by stealth comes into it. Um, thanking you, thanks for that. Uh, hi Patricia this is on restrictions with Covid restrictions and moving from level 5 to level 3 and what's it going to be like on the 1st of December and will we all be gathered around the Christmas table this year who will be around the Christmas table with you Patricia let's give all our loved ones the best Christmas present ever says this texture. If everybody limits act- activities over the festive period for this one year, it's just one year, then we may be able to start the new year with COVID cases greatly reduced. This would buy us time until the vaccine can be rolled out. Let's support all of the charities that have been struggling this year by donating our Christmas spending to them instead. Thank you for that. Hi, Patricia. Did I hear you right, says Joe and Manway in the last hour. Did you say that the government are considering no limits in your house over Christmas? Absolute madness, says Joe. And you wonder why people are being complacent. This level five has been all for nothing. I simply can't believe it. What are the virus figures going to be like in January? I, I'm frightened to think about it, says Joe from uh, uh, Dunmanway. And that is the plan that the current ban on household visits for Christmas week, now it'll be for a short period of time, for one week over Christmas, they're going to lift restrictions. And yes, they are saying at this stage there will be no restrictions on the number of people being allowed into your household. But they are, the government will be asking people, you know, to take personal responsibility. And if you are are having visitors to your your home, while they won't impose a limit on the number of friends and family you can have, but they're asking people to be sensible about it. And they're actually saying to families that the best way to do it over Christmas is to choose one day and then have a significant family gathering to celebrate Christmas and then leave it at that. But I can sense where Joe is coming from and I would worry, I think I'm with you Joe on this, I mean if you plan this significant family gathering so you get a large extended family and you decide 
will all come to Granny's house on St Stephen's Day, for example. And you have all the family coming along with all the siblings and along with their partners and their children and you end up... And families, like we the Irish can have very big families and an extended family with children, grandchildren and even great-grandchildren all gathering around. All you need is for one person to come into that setting without realising it and to be carrying COVID-19. And we know what has happened on previous family gatherings. Everyone then takes it away with them into their households and then passes it on if they end up meeting with anybody else or they ended up heading back to work. So, yeah, there, there could be... I would be nervous about that, Joe. I would be nervous. But let's let's wait and see because we have to wait. The final decision on any of the advice over Christmas, we're told, will depend on the, on the rate of new COVID-19 cases once the lockdown ends. And that all important R number will be looked at very, very closely indeed. Somebody else says, Patricia, would people ever stop complaining? Also, any chance we could ban the words entitled and entitlements? Too many people are thinking they're entitled to this and entitled to uh, that. And Stephen on COVID says the reason people are easing up on COVID is because people are sick of hearing what they can't do. People are just going to do what they want to do. Also, this push to work from home and we had... Dr Tony Houlihan yesterday having a real go with people who he says are going into work and that they should be working from home. Stephen feels that that message of telling people you must work from home is very patronising. Who's running the country? Never did the government, said Stephen. I think people need to know what the story is for December. Otherwise, people will do their own thing. You need to... You, and then uh, I dispute this. Stephen says, you never see Neffet members wearing masks, practice what you preach. You do. OK, when they're sitting in giving the press conference, obviously, because they are well over two metres away from, from the press. They don't have masks on, but that's to protect their voice so that they can be heard. But I have certainly seen photographs of all of the main Neffet members, you know, Tony Houlihan, um, all of the rest of the, the professors, Roland Glynn. I've seen all of them. I've seen photographs of all of them walking, say, when they're heading to the Dáil, if they've been called in for an Oireachtas committee meeting or if they're heading to the Department of Health for the press conference and there's been photographs taken of them outside. I've seen all of them wearing masks. I've also seen all of them when they're walking down the street together. They're all well two metres uh, apart. So you're wrong to say you never see them with masks. I, I, I certainly have seen them. 1850 103 and just one just I've got an answer here on a listener that contacted us about something Janice was on to us earlier she's on the PUP payment you know the COVID payment she's been out of work since the 17th of March God that's tough going uh, Janice she's been waiting a long time now she is entitled to arrears as part of her PUP payments so I've been in contact with social welfare and although people at the end of the phones have been very helpful uh, I am still without the arrears that they owe me I'm owed back money for three weeks I'm assuming that was at the start where I didn't get paid. I work in hospitality. This should be our busiest time of the year. We're trying to make our money stretch. As it's coming up to Christmas, it would be nice to know when I'm going to get the money that's owed to us. I'm afraid I don't have any good news for you, Janice, because any arrears we got on social protection, any arrears that are due back to the last date of employment are calculated and they're paid at a future date. But the future date has been so far for anyone who came off the pup payment they got the arrears at the end of their payment so it's when you go back to work when you finally sign off on your pop payments it's then that you will receive your arrears that's the way they have been doing it since the start 1850 333 103 C103 Jobs 
A care assistant is required for North Cork and West Limerick areas experience of working with children or adults with intellectual disabilities who may have challenging behaviour would be an advantage. A trainee stock person is required to work with pigs in the Canturk uh, area. You'll work on gestation and births and associated husbandry. Full-time sous chef and part-time trainee chef required that's for a busy kitchen environment in Mallow and a ground worker with shuttering experience is required for work in West Cork. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Now, yesterday we issued a warning about a red Peugeot van which was travelling around the Clonakilty uh, area with two men offering to clean outside windows and drain pipes. And when Damien, one of our listeners, asked them for ID, they simply took off. So to discuss the problem of bogus traders, I'm joined by Sally Handlon, who's director of the Support After Crime Service organisation here in uh, Cork. Good morning to you, Sally. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Sally, would your message be never entertain a door-to-door tradesperson calling unannounced? Certainly. Certainly, because when when they come to the door, they're very convincing and they're very good at what they're trying to do to, I suppose, fraudulently or deceive people. So uh, my message would be not to engage. If they tell you there's work or your gutters are full or your slates are missing or your chimney is cracked, do not engage them. If you feel you have a problem, go and get somebody who's reliable and reputable. And you can do that through your Garda station there, your crime prevention officer, who will put you on the right road. And certainly, most of all, do not hand over money to those people who are either pretending they're going to do work until the work is completed to your satisfaction and inspected by somebody who knows what they're doing. Do you believe some people get duped, Sally, and are just too embarrassed to even report it to the Gardaí or even to tell a family member what's happened? I do certainly believe that. Um, It's very easy. You see, I think... Nobody likes to be conned or caught because we all think we're cuter than those who are who we're dealing with. And that's a natural response. So I would say that and we have come across people who have been duped out of lots of money and are ashamed to tell their family members are indeed reported because they feel that people will say, Oh, we thought you were cuter than that. You know, or how did you get caught? Yeah. But it's so easily to get caught, Patricia. What sort of cases have you come across, Sally? We've come across uh, a lot of shoddy workmanship at exorbitant uh, prices. We've come across uh, people who are buying, you know, a bargain, they think, in tools or equipment like that, carpets, and then credit card fraud where they're going online and being promised this or that, and their accounts are being cleaned out. Yeah, should we have that poor woman in Skull? I mean, yeah, luckily we those actually, two guys. We, we, we spoke with her, yeah. We, Did you? We helped her with her victim impact statement, yeah. How is she, by the way? She's, okay, she was <laughs> leaving home and going to residential care after this happened. Ah, are you serious? I am, yeah. Or sheltered accommodation, whatever you'd like to call it. Because of what happened? Well, I think it was the primary factor. 
Uh, I think her house may have been remote and I'm going to say maybe not in great repair. They're her own words. So this was the tipping point for her to go where she... If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Felt secure and there would be neighbours. Shagat help her. And we've Shikad come across that quite often. What, that somebody will actually leave their house? Yes. Um, I suppose last year we had three uh, who left their homes and went into residential care. Because uh, of they were afraid that, that somebody would come back or their confidence just Their confidence gone. and their trust in their own decision making, Patricia, which is a big thing. Like if you make a decision and you are wrong um, and you find it hard to trust and fear of reprisal when reported. And these scumbags, yes. and that's the only word for them, uh, Sally, they deliberately target vulnerable homeowners, don't they? They do. Yeah. They do. And I think, OK, I heard you saying there that a man uh, questioned them and they took off. It's, it's very seldom, like any of the cases we've dealt with in the last year, are all women, ladies, who are in their senior years and are living alone. 
and are vulnerable. And I, I don't like using the word easily, gullible, as we all can be. Um, when somebody tells you very convincingly that there's, your roof is or you're in the next storm, your roof will blow off or there'll be further damage to your house. They do employ them. They do take them on. They're convinced into handing over the money like that poor lady in Skull was. Um, but thank God she reported it. Yeah. And thank God they were made accountable and that she got her money back. You yeah, know. and they'll, you know, and and I remember like when we were, we focused on that case, the guy was utterly charming. Oh, and, totally. And that's the one thing. They, they're they good at what they do in sucking somebody in almost. And, you know, one of the other lines is, oh, we were doing work down the road at your yeah, neighbour's house. Yeah, my neighbour told you, or the, your neighbour yeah. up the road told me, called you, yeah. Yeah, so they they have all the past. They know. They, they have know all what, the past and they're professional at what they're doing because they're doing it nearly every day. And then Sally, neighbours, we, everyone who, who lives in an area has a role to play here. If you see a van parked outside a house where you know there's an elderly woman or an elderly man living yeah. on their own, you know, maybe just pop down to, you know, just yes, a passing call. Say, yeah. What's, What's or, going on here? Or make sure they take the number of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, look, Patricia, I don't know if you have time or not, look, but I was caught myself a number of years ago. What happened? <laughs> um... Uh, similar type people came and we were about to get our house painted and we had been talking about doing the gutters and this fella came in very pleasant, very charming uh, came in and said, you know, I'm doing gutters in the area, I was doing them up the road and whatever else and I thought, God, he's a godsend, now he's come today and um, foolishly as I was told often enough, he quoted a price and I was going to work, so I paid him. But I did say that there were two young men in the house, which my sons were. Um, and I said, oh, I might call to them there. I might need water or something. Um, but I did take the number of his van. And uh, my sons rang me and said, Mom, did you pay him because he's gone? But luckily, again, that evening, he did nothing. Um, he literally drove away after you left. He did. Oh, God, I suppose I, in my haste to get out the door, said, I'm going to work now, but here's the money, and look, my sons are in there. Um, so I, on my way home from work that evening, didn't I meet the van again on the road? And I reported it. So he was tracked and traced to Killarney. And uh, he was arrested on similar situations. Um, but he'd also used my neighbours or our neighbours here who were elderly and both ill at the time to say that we referred him up to them. <sighs> now, the woman who's now deceased, she couldn't tell anybody. So in fairness to the guards in Killarney, they tracked him down. I got my money back on Good Friday of that year and... I split it half ways with my neighbour. Aren't you very good? Yeah, uh, well, very I mean, good. I wasn't expecting to get it back. It was yeah. like 350 euros. But let me tell you, and for any of your listeners, I was ashamed that I was caught. And then people say to me, including some of my own members, family members, <laughs> how did you get caught? Yeah. But it's easily get caught because this fellow was fully dressed, full of 
the airs of the great job he was going to do. So it's easy. And don't be ashamed of it. I know I was ashamed to be caught. But I reported it and I had a good outcome. But, like, the family knew here. All of them knew. But I know that, like, we're dealing with a woman at the moment who had a very, very, very large, I won't mention the sum, hundreds of thousands defrauded from her. And she cannot disclose it to a family member. Out of embarrassment? Out of embarrassment and out of judgment. Yeah. And, you know, it's so sad because she won't get a cent of it back. Oh, no. Unless bar a miracle. So, like, it is easy. So my, my words to anybody out there, if you have been caught, report it. Because, you know, the girls are doing a great job and they are linking up. Well, there, there, we, you, you have some hope of building up a case against somebody if, if enough people report it. You have, you have. And I think the suggestion you made there of, you know, if you see a van and you know that person is living on their own or, you know, vulnerable in some way or other, you know, maybe pop in, show a presence in the house other than the house owner. Mm. And that may scare them off. And as you said earlier, if, if you're employing a tradesman, Ask around locally. I, I thought that was a good suggestion about bringing the Gardaí. I wouldn't have thought about that. Yeah. Um, but ask for an ID and use legitimate. There's brilliant local tradespeople yeah. out there and God knows they need the business they now the business. more than ever. So they do and they'll do a good job. They will. And there's, if anything, God forbid, went wrong, they're there for backup as they're well. They're there for yeah. backup because these are gone. Once they get the money, yeah. Yeah, and they'll always look for cash and then it's, and hard, it's hard to track now it down. Now that poor case down in Skull, I mean, they got checks. But thankfully, if that woman hadn't reacted as she did and report the matter, she'd have been down a lot more money. Yeah, gone. Yeah, the gone money been out gone. the door. How busy um, is, your, is your work in support after crime, Sally, at the moment? We're, we're quite busy. Okay. Now, we're working remotely at the moment. We're doing one day a week for uh, emergency appointments. But we're also working by phone and by email. So we're not letting anybody down. Anybody who's looking for the service, you know, they're getting it. So our work mainly at the moment is um, victim impact statements, Patricia, for the courts. Yeah. And that's a very important part for anybody who is a victim of crime and afforded that service as in that opportunity from the court to make a victim impact statement, I'd certainly urge them to take it up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, you're doing fantastic and work. And so are you and congratulations on your 30 you're, years of wonderful work. You're, you're very kind, Sally. We will speak again. Will Listen, you give out our number? I, will, I was just going to ask you, what's the number? They have 021 5555. Five, five, five. Okay. And that covers all of County Cork, Cork as well. Yeah. Okay. Listen, Sally, we'll speak again in we the meantime. Thank speak. you for that. Thank you too. God bless. Uh, bye bye. That is uh, Sally Hanlon doing fantastic uh, work with support after crime uh, service. 1850 333 103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. And here's a good news story for Friday. Siblings uh, Thomas, Rachel and Anna McCarthy, they're from Ballinadee. They bought an old bus and they're converting it into an Airbnb which they hope is going to be ready by next March or April and hopefully we'll be starting tours and we'll be 
be opening up or there'll be staycationing going on at that stage. They've had 1.7 million views on TikTok already about the conversion of this old bus. We sent our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran along to meet the siblings and to take a look at the bus. Here's how she got on. The ultimate plan is to have it renovated in about five, six months and have it up on Airbnb. Uh, we wanted to do something different and something that would keep us occupied during lockdown because me and Anna are both out of work now because of the COVID. Rachel's studying at the moment, but we wanted to do something productive. So we said we'd get a double-decker bus and <laughs> do it up. How did you? Yeah. <laughs> Where did you get the idea from? Um, my friend Roisin has one and her mother down in Dingle, they have a bus and they renovated it and it's really, really nice. So we got the inspiration from then, but I think we always kind of want to do something like this mm, yeah. you know, and do something together because we're all like very impulsive, very creative. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I mean, standing here on the bus now, and it's fair to say it's a bit of a wreck. So, so how much work is involved and what do you need to do to get it to the stage where you're going to be able to let it out as an Airbnb? Oh, there's a lot of work. It was like literally getting in there was the, the easy part. So the next part now, I suppose, we're trying to find out how to insulate it, uh, what'll go where, where the bathroom go, um, kitchen units. So there's a lot of planning involved before we kind of start in that get-go as well. And we're trying to kind of, I suppose, get advice from people as well on top of that. But um yeah, it'll keep us busy. We'll be, yeah, we'll be we'll be full time with it now. To be fair, over the next few months, so we're looking forward to it. But like, it's a full a time, work. yeah, yeah, a lot, yeah. Of work. <laughs> a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. And is really good with like the angle grinder and the tools and stuff. So that helps a yeah. lot as well. I used to, yeah, when I was in school, I did a bit of construction, so it kind of helps with this kind of scenario. So no, it's exciting, and like we have the main area like kind of ready for it, nearly ready for it. A bit of stone and painting, and then. Getting the bus over there will be a bit of an issue, yeah. but once we get it over there and get our hands hands on, I think it'll go pretty quick. Yeah. And where are you going to have the bus? The bus will be situated near our home, so it'll run off the electricity and the the, uh, the plumb, plumbing and all that. Yeah. And then the views we have stunning views here in Balnadi. Like there's we've linked in with our animals and all like over into the valley, and we've cut down some of the hedgerows so you can see with the, over the bus. So it'll be near the house, but also they'll have their own kind of area and their own space to whatever like are you guys farmers because we're on a farm here <laughs> yeah i think um well our father passed away in may so uh he took his own life so from there it's been kind of a journey we've kind of taken over the farm incorporated a lot of like mental awareness mental health awareness with that we raised thirty-two thousand for peter house and we actually just love working on the farm. So we're, we are, we're full-time farmers with a bus. Yeah. So, like when, yeah. When dad was around, um, I was just, I was like, give him these crazy ideas. And then when he passed, when he always used to say to me before he passed away, when you get the farm, you can do whatever you want. So now I think we're doing whatever we want yeah. to do. Yeah. What do you think he'd think of this? Oh, oh my God. He's disgusted. He'd be happy at the, no. the business aspect of it. Yeah. But like, no. like yeah. give a farm to like four young ones. What's the first thing they do? Like we put a bear in the shed. <laughs> <laughs> we built a bar into the shed. And then buy a double-decker bus. Yeah. It's just crazy. Um, we sold off all the cattle. <laughs> yeah. A load of rescue animals. <laughs> just making absolute wreck of the fields. <laughs> uh, I'd be I proud of it. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose seeing young people make a business out of the farm because we, we've heard over the last couple of years how difficult it's been for farmers to make an income. Yeah. So yeah. I suppose this is kind of really thinking outside the box. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's in, like important, like I said to him, like what he was doing was back-breaking work and like not great money but like this stuff now is it is crazy but like it's it'll pay off yeah Yeah. and i think as well rachel wants to go into the organic uh farming business side as well so 
were actually buying a big what was it the dimensions of yeah, a big tunnel yeah going <laughs> yeah. oh mad down yeah. below the bus and it's like just a selling my like you know crops or vegetables <laughs> yeah. to the guys on the bus good hippie vibes down here market it to who do you think is going to come and rent this out i think like mainly city people mm. you know like we're clo- so close to cork city but like coming down here staying in a bus in a field looking at donkeys looking at goats you have beaches yeah, and castles yeah. all around you so like it's great for internal tourism as well like i think city people would love this but even people young, like, young people as well like fun people mm-hmm. like you know we hope people rent out the bus and like i hope they have a few parties i hope they enjoy themselves because like it's something we'll different yeah <laughs> we'll join them come the back <laughs> absolutely rent out the uh, the the bar shed for the night as well. <laughs> go mad <laughs> <with it. laughs> like a package deal <laughs> uploaded the first video on tiktok and it's really taken off from there hasn't it yeah, yeah. it's 1.7 million views wow yeah so it, it was a lot and i remember seeing the comments under it and just everyone's so enthusiastic and eager to see what actually happens with it and a few people actually private messaged me saying they can't wait until it's done so they stay on the bus so it's it's yeah it's great it's really exciting yeah. and you've had a lot of media interest in as well yeah we have yeah we're actually overwhelmed <laughs> yeah. but, um, we're kind of like hey this might be our big break so let's, <laughs> let's take it <laughs> A little bit of fun, like. Absolutely. Let's be honest. You just you're trying to you know hunt down the fame. Yeah. <laughs> I really want to go into media, so if you're looking for a presenter, <laughs> hit me up. <laughs> Is he going after my job? <laughs> well done. That's uh, Thomas Rachel and Anna McCarthy from Ballin D. Can't wait to see when that bus is uh, fully converted and fantastic to see you know a group of young people being so proactive during lockdown needed something to do. So what do you do? Buy an old bus and convert it into an Airbnb. Yes. Court today. Court today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. C103. Speaking with Sally Hanlon about victims after crime and her fantastic support service. She was talking about rogue traders and bogus traders that call door to door. A couple of texts in on uh, that. Uh, hi, Patricia. I had what one may call cold callers uh, looking to do work on my roof and by the way it isn't just always older ladies that they target that's for sure they had two vans white in colour with trailers and ladders they had a letter from my father he passed away in 1988 and my mother who passed away in 2012 needless to say the letter wasn't from my parents and it wasn't even in their handwriting I told them to go away but they said I'll have your windows put in and your cat as well these people should be tracked down and prosecuted. Please keep my name uh, private. God, that sounds quite frightening. That was in the North Cork area. I'm hoping and assuming that you reported that to the Gardaí with details of that white van that turned up at your door. And uh, Sandy said, regarding crooked traders and bogus callers, when are TDs going to insist that a compensation for wrongdoing for victims legislation be brought in? Are they so insecure in their jobs that they need the votes of criminals to elect them? As I see it, forcing criminals to pay back for wrongdoing with interest, with no time limitation, that would limit, I feel, some of the crime, says uh, Sandy. Thank you for that. 1850 And one of our listeners is looking to purchase an old radiogram. Now, I don't know if anybody knows of a radiogram on sale. Certainly if you go on eBay or Gumtree, I've seen a lot of radiograms for sale, if that's of any use to you. But the listener is also looking for somebody to repair a record player. 
where are record players and record players are becoming very popular of late but where can somebody get one repaired here in Cork if you can help us with that 1850 Damien is in Mallow and has contacted the programme good afternoon to you Damien good afternoon uh, you, you want to raise the issue of dumping at Sandfield Terrace area in Mallow what's going on yeah I actually highlighted that again during the year for the, for the people up there in Sandfield but there's a lot of um, bottles and cans and bags of rubbish after arriving there again in the same area. Is this people just gathering because they, there's no pubs open, so they're well, gathering? No, these are in bags. Oh, they're in bags? They're in bags. So it's household rubbish has been dumped? Well, there's, there's, there's a bit of everything there, I put it like that, you know. And like that's a walkway for the school children going to school every morning. And, you know, there could be anything that could come out of them bags when somebody's crossing that path. Have you reported it to the council? Um, well, I'm only just making the phone call for the residents there. There's a lady there living next door to us, and she was a bit shy to come on, and they're, they're putting bottles in over her, her wall as well. Oh, that's shocking. And, and, and you say it's happened before? Yeah, I was on, I was on Twitter during the summer months about it, actually. And did the council go and clean it the up? The council came out and cleaned it out that time. Cleaned it up that time. But what I'm actually ringing about, there should be a camera put up there to see who's who is dumping it. Like. Yeah, because you can be guaranteed it's the same people doing it all the time. It, it probably is. Like, yeah. but it's, constantly, it's constantly going on. Like, and, you know, and I mean, like, there's lovely old residents up there, like, you know, and, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not a nice thing no, to have and, ver- and very unfair on them okay listen report it to the council uh, Damien but it's shocking that we have to waste council's time and money getting them yeah. to come out and, and clean it up uh, shame yeah, on yeah, whoever's doing yeah. that alright Damien thank you for your call 1850 now Ireland's soccer manager you probably heard this on our news reports this morning uh, Stephen Kenny uh, will be interviewed by FAI chiefs over a video featuring moments from Anglo Irish history. It was shown to players ahead of last week's friendly against England. An internal inquiry has now been launched. Trevor Welch is our soccer correspondent uh, and uh, he joins me. Uh, good morning to you, or good afternoon to you, Trevor. Afternoon, Trish. Now, you haven't seen the video, have you? No, I haven't seen no. the video. I don't think too many people outside of the, uh, the FBI and uh, the, the group have seen it. But, uh, you know, I think the FBI, Trish, could have done without this because of uh, the latest fiasco in, in an ongoing situation. Like This is, uh, you know, the latest episode of Irish football slapping itself in the face of such like. And, uh, you know, will, will, Kenny, will Stephen Kenny now get the, the full backing of, uh, of the board is, is the question, you know. Yeah, it's from okay. So we're going on media reports. Obviously, somebody who was at it has spoken to the media. I was reading the papers today. There was a three-minute video, including representations of the Easter Rising, as well as past Irish victories over the English football team. Now the. The, uh, the the victories over the English football team you probably would understand, but why he's evoking history is it to get fire in the belly? I mean, is that the is that his thought pattern on this? Yeah, I suppose, and you know, let's be honest, uh, Tristan Kenny's under a lot of pressure to get results. He, he's still winless uh, since he took over from Mick McCarthy. Eight matches in, hasn't won a game. Uh, they haven't scored a goal in eleven hours of football. That's seven straight matches. Didn't qualify for the Euros, which is the huge financial burden on the FAI to get it done with qualifying for the Euros, especially a lot of matches will be played at the Aviva in Dublin. So, you know, he's a man under pressure for sure, even before all of this. 
but uh, you know it's it's believed and again allegedly uh, Chris that a senior official who saw the video viewed it as inappropriate and reported their concerns to the board uh, so Kenny will now have to give his account and it's uh, you know going to happen rather quickly it's an emergency meeting and um, you know I believe as well that some of the players uh, were left uncomfortable by watching the video, um, you know, so, and as you mentioned, you know, there's reference there to 1916 Easter Rising, allegedly, um, you know, moments in our nation's history, plus that uh, footage of the 1995 friendly against England in Dublin, which was abandoned because of the writing, you remember, I was at that game myself. Yeah. So certainly uh, questions to be answered. Some people I spoke to in, in the football circles in, in Dublin this morning, Trish, uh, some of them said it's a non-show, but it's uh, such as the world we live in. Some people said it's a bit more serious than that. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the FBI make of it when they view the video. And it was a friendly match, wasn't it, against England? Yeah, it was a friendly match. Um, I mean, nothing at stake, but I suppose when you play England, people say there's nothing friendly about that. Uh, I think Ireland were unbeaten against England in 35 years. Um, you know, it's a phenomenal record. And Stephen Kenny, I'm sure, uh, would have been under pressure to keep that going, you know, and uh, didn't want to lose to England under his watch. But, uh, you know, it was a friendly match. And... Um, some people say, you know, it probably shouldn't have taken that match on. But, um, you know, it, it was done because they, they were in Wales a few days later to play Wales in that Nations League match. But, uh, you know, um, he's had a very poor start, let's be honest, uh, in Ireland. There's no one in eight, as we mentioned. And, um, you know, the, the, the pressure's on. It'll be just interesting to see how quickly now they deal with this. And uh, I believe they're dealing with it today. So we might have some kind of outcome uh, this evening on um, you know what, what the FAI how the FAI will respond uh, to this latest embarrassing situation for the Football Association of Ireland Do you think his days are numbered? Um, it's um, a, lot, a lot will depend obviously what was in it I mean it was I mean looking back I'm sure he regretted it hugely um, but um, I, I suppose the country is split then as well about you know how, how, how he's done so far in his eight games in charge because as you know Trish uh, football managers are judged on results yeah. because we're not getting the results we're now seeded third for the World Cup draw which is on Monday December 7 so we're way down the list and that means we probably get a very very hard group to come out of and qualify for major finals which again financially uh, won't be doing the FA any favours so you know it depends how they view it um, he might you know get a sanction of some sort I'm not sure how they'll deal with it but uh, obviously he'd be hoping that uh, he'd get the full backing of the board. He said uh, himself when he was asked, he was very defiant, uh, Trish, when he was asked after the Bulgaria game, when asked if he believed he would be a successful Irish manager, his answer was, I have no doubt I will be a success. And now he, he has to ask question, answer questions, of course, from the FAI outside of the media. And he's contracted until the end of 2022. Yeah. So it's another two years to go, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. We'll wait to see uh, what happens here. Uh, but yeah, what is it about the FAI? They just think mm. <laughs> they, there's never a good news story about them, is there? No, no. It's, it's just the latest em- embarrassing situation. And, uh, you know, I suppose that's why they want to deal with it swiftly and just uh, uh, get get this done as quick as they can, you know. Okay. Just before I go, Trish, as well, I, 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 I uh, really thought the uh, the City Hall was very impressive. I think they should leave the C103 colours up for the rest of the 20s. <laughs> 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 and if Trevor Welch says it, then they have to do it. Listen, <laughs> th- thank you. And by the way, because I haven't, I haven't, I, I know I've messaged you, but I haven't been speaking to you face to face. Well done on your your Imro, yourself and John Paul picking up uh, another Imro this year Radio Award. Thanks, Fresh Gold. You know, you know how important uh, JP is. And, Absolutely. Uh, 
the work that he puts in. Absolutely. One of a kind. Well, the two of us, because uh, he produces, uh, well, everybody knows John Paul produces this show, but he also produces uh, John, uh, Trevor's sports programme as well. Listen, congratulations to you and thanks for that. Thanks, thanks, thanks for joining us. Bye bye. 1850 Just some of your texts in on different issues back on COVID and coming out of level five. But John says, Patricia, why don't the government just come out and say, if we don't get the numbers below, say, John saying 100 new COVID cases a day by December, then we simply won't be coming out of lockdown until the new year. Then, says John, if they made a statement like that, watch the numbers come down then. This lockdown has failed. It is a joke. So, says John Mavis says, I seriously hope that the individual who made the statement that we might possibly have a day during Christmas when we can have as many people to our household as we like, I'm hoping that person is joking. Otherwise, the person needs to have his or her brains tested if it was a joke, it's a sick one. And it's not. It's seemingly it's what's been spoken about. I don't know whether Neffet are agreeing to that or not, but it's seemingly it's what has been spoken about in uh, government uh, circles. 1850-333-103. And there is another couple of texts that came in earlier. Let me just run down through a lot of texts in today. There was one I wanted to just give a bit of advice to John. John from Blackpool is one of our uh, regular texters to the programme and he has commented our text today with a bit of a dilemma. Hi Patricia, I need your advice. My friend asked me to help him to paint his friend's front door. The thing is, there will be two other people there. I'm not sure what to do, says John from Blackpool. And it's because I know John regularly texts the programme. I know, John, you've been really minding yourself and looking after yourself and doing everything to abide by the restrictions and making sure that you don't come in contact with anyone who might have uh, COVID. So for that reason, I would be saying to contact your friend and say, look, normally, in normal times, you'd be more than willing to go out and help. But I would say, because I take it from your text, you're nervous. The fact that you've even contacted me looking for advice, you're nervous about it. I would just say to to your friend, look, I'm nervous at the moment. I'm looking after myself. I don't want to be anywhere where I'll be meeting up with other people. And if you're painting a door, you'd be there for, you know, certainly more than the recommended 15 minutes, isn't it? And even being masked up and everything. So I would, I would just say no. I would say, and I'm sorry, it's not a front door, it's a front room. So you're going to be inside in a house as well, in, in, even with the windows ventilated in the room or, or whatever. You're going to be in close confines with your friend and the two other people. To me, that's too many people, John, too many people. And if you are living by the current restrictions, they shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be having people in like that, helping out. I know you can have trades people in, etc. But my gut instinct would say to me, no just say no and explain why and if he is your friend and I'm sure he is John he will understand uh, let us know how you get on 1850 333 103 talking about Christmas Christmas is just going to be me hubby and our dogs no one else it's been like that since March says a texter Liz says it takes less than five minutes to pass the virus from A to B at least in the summer months we would be able to get out says Liz who obviously is worried about what's been spoken about for uh, Christmas and here's a piece of advice to people please Hi I wonder if you could please on your programme highlight the importance of having a carbon monoxide alarm in your home We had a carbon monoxide leak yesterday and our alarm 
thankfully sounded. If we didn't have the alarm, the outcome could have been very, very different. They cost about 30 euro and they really do save lives. And we got back onto that listener because I really was interested in having uh, a chat with her. But unfortunately, she's at work and is not able to, uh, to take a call. But she was explaining to John Paul, uh, she was actually out at work and it was her elderly father was in the house when the carbon monoxide alarm went off. And it turned out that the carbon monoxide leak wasn't even from their home. It was from the house next door and it had somehow leaked into this lady's house and her elderly father there. And seemingly they contacted Malagardi, who she said was absolutely outstanding and they got everything sorted out, but only for the carbon monoxide alarm in their house, they would not have known what was going on. And so I'm only too happy uh, to call out that comment. And actually, it, may, it, it this may sound silly now to some people, but it actually they make good Christmas presents as well. You know, if you're looking to give somebody, particularly maybe an older person, and you're scratching your head as to what to give them, that's a nice little present and it can it can and it does save a life. And obviously when we're talking about the carbon monoxide alarms, make sure your smoke alarms are working and all of that and that the ba- batteries are finished. So good to know that you had a good outcome there and that uh, 30 euro was 30 euro certainly well spent. Hi Patricia, do you know, do you get a copy of a receipt in a post office? I, I don't quite know what you're looking for there, but I know any time I've posted letters or whatever, or bought stamps, normally you get handed uh, a receipt and you can get, if it's, if it's to do with a letter that you're looking for you can get proof of postage at the post office as well so if you ask in the post office but certainly yeah they do issue receipts I don't know if they issue receipts for everything but certainly they do issue receipts 1850 333 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Celebrate a real Cork Christmas Find out more at corkcoco.ie Castle Magna Community Development Association will have their book When I Was Knee High published in time for Christmas but if you'd like to reserve a copy they're suggesting you ring Mayor at 086 7761 and St Vincent de Paul they're experiencing high demand for their services this year and they're appealing to the general public to support their online fundraising and also any local collections the annual car draw will take place again and tickets are priced at €5 Euro each they're now being distributed to households please return the ticket stubs and money to their office on Tucky Street in Cork R you can purchase the €5 Euro tickets online at the St Vincent de Paul website. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. And just some commentary in reacting to uh, Trevor Welch uh, joining us about Stephen Kenny's position as Republic of Ireland a manager in, as, on, as one paper saying on thin ice. And this is after the FAI have launched this probe into a political video which was shown to staff and players before the recent friendly match against uh, England. And there was uh, scenes talking about the Easter Rising. Um, Tom says, give Stephen Kenny a break. Due to injuries in COVID, he's missing 14 players for the last game and he hasn't had a full panel of players since he took charge, says Tom, who obviously has faith in Stephen Kenny. While Anthony says, all this rebellion tactic to get players fired up was very amateurish, in my opinion, especially from an Irish coach. When most of our players play in England are are from England anyway. Surely that was very unwise. His appointment, says Anthony, was also a strange one that, remember, was made by 
John Delaney. So that'll tell you how low the Irish setup is at the moment. And that's from uh, Anthony. OK, John Paul, or John Paul joins me in studio. Uh, good afternoon to you, John Paul. Good afternoon. Now, we're looking back at the last two weeks of confirmed cases for COVID-19 in the different Banty electoral areas. And this takes us from the 3rd of November through to the 16th, which would have been up to last Monday. It would have. And the last time we did this was two weeks ago. So we're looking at figures now, not from last week, but from two weeks ago. And it's interesting to see the difference over the last two weeks. Usually we would look back at figures from last Friday. We're looking back at figures from two, two Fridays weeks. ago because okay. we didn't do this last week. So it's just uh, interesting to see how things why have changed. Didn't we do it last week? In, because we were <laughs> celebrating our 30th years on air. <laughs> and we decided so we weren't no going COVID. to talk about COVID no, figures. In the no COVID from one part or the other. OK, no. you're going to start with Bantry Electoral Area. So starting with Bantry and uh, here we're taking in Castleton Bear, Mizzen and Bear Peninsulas and two weeks ago there was 29 cases here uh, that has reduced to five in that area to Skibbereen where there was 60 cases here two weeks ago and and that's taken in towns like Dumanway, also Ross Carberry, Clonakilty areas and Banaline in a scheme there as well. Uh, that is gone to 17. So reduction there to 17. That's a huge Big drop, yeah. Yeah, there is. And there's, there's, there's a lot of drops across the various areas of Cork. Likewise, in the Band and Kinsale area, which has, again, broad area from Timaleague to Kilbrishan to Belgooley, uh, including Banalaspital and parts of Town and Crossbarry and Inishannon. Uh, again, they had 46 cases two weeks ago. That is down to 11. Uh, Carrigaline then which here you're taking in Crosshaven, Ballygarvan, Ringeskiddy and Myrtleville. Uh, they had 86 cases two weeks ago. That has reduced now to 60. Uh, so another reduction there enough, but it's it? still one of the higher ones in the county is the Carrigaline area. And we move into the city and an area which has always been high since we started doing these figures is the Cork City Southwest local area. Uh, while there is a reduction two weeks ago, they had 147 cases confirmed. There's now uh, in this area down to 65. So even though there is a reduction, it's still one of the higher areas in the city. That's as around hear. Wilton, isn't it? And that area includes Ballincollig, uh, Wilton, Curraheen and some areas of Tolker. You look okay. at the Bandon Road, College Road and those areas as so well the there. So stu- the student area? It would be, yeah, uh, College yeah. Road, Magazine Road would be big student areas, as would uh, Bishopstown, Wilton and all those yeah, areas yeah. there. Uh, to the south central of the city here, you're looking at Turner's Cross, Toker, the Kinsale Road area. Last two weeks ago, they had 134 confirmed cases. That is reduced to 42. And then the southeast of the city uh, here, Rochestown, Mahan and Douglas areas, they had two weeks ago two or 128. Uh, that is reduced to 35 in that area. That's a really good reduction. So a big reduction there in the southeast of the city. And then to the northeast where two weeks ago there was 128 confirmed cases in the northeast. We're looking over at Montanotti, Tivoli, Glenmire and the Mayfield areas. 41 confirmed cases this time around. And the northeast of the city then, Sunday as well, Blarney, Nocknahini and the Holly Hill areas. Last week, or sorry, two weeks ago they had 144 confirmed cases they now have 40 confirmed cases and a drop of so, over 100 there. yeah most areas in the city are, are they all have reduced uh, the city southwest still one of the highest in that area of the city and out to the county again and to the McCroom area a very broad area here this takes in Mill Street Town Ballingiri Inchigila Crookstown Kilmurray Coolay Arhaland those areas 71 confirmed cases two weeks ago this time around 26 
So a big reduction there in that area. And to Kanturk then, where the last time around there was 53 uh, confirmed cases two weeks ago, that has reduced to 24. And here in this area of Kanturk, you're looking at Charnival as well, Newmarket, Kishgame, uh, Belly Desmond and those areas in uh, Duhallow. And moving to Mallow then, where you're looking towards Wien, Glantan, Dramahan, Granada, Lumberstown, Liscarroll areas. 68 confirmed cases two weeks ago. That has reduced to 29 for the Mallow area. Good reduction. So good reduction there again, yeah. And then to Fermoy. Uh, you're taking in Mitchellstown here as well, Rathcormac, Connor, Kilworth, Shambani Moor, Castle Lyons and Donorell areas. 35 two weeks ago, they're down to 18 confirmed cases uh, this week. And to the Cove local area where there was 66 last time around two weeks ago, they have 18 confirmed cases. So another big reduction there in the Cove area, which takes in Carrignavar, Watergrass Hill, uh, Carrig Tool and the Nokraha areas as well. And then finally in the Middleton area, you're looking here at Yall, Shanagarry, Ballycotton, Ladies Bridge, uh, Dungorny areas. They had 45 confirmed cases two weeks ago. Now they have seen a reduction to 30 confirmed cases. So overall, okay, so all we're, areas we're, are down. We're, we're holding well. There were, even though we seem to be stuck, is the word that Tony Houlihan has used. And certainly the figures every day this week, they would probably be slightly up when we're doing it next uh, Friday. It's like we're stuck. We're just mm. we we need we needed to fall further, don't we? Yeah, it needs to go down a bit more before they can decide what they wish to do. Uh, but we are doing well overall. Yeah, it is yeah, positive, but yeah. they still need more, I suppose, for them to see what will happen. We'll have to wait and see. And I know I was going to mention um, our, the, the the there was a report in the paper today that the Gardaí are to boost patrols on street drinking in in a bid to try to prevent what we saw last weekend. You were out last night, and you reckon there was a lot of people on the streets. Yeah, well, we were um, myself and and Kelly. Uh, in the digital department was filming we were obviously City Hall as you mentioned was up in the C103 colours so uh, I was driving the C103 Jeep around City Hall we were getting a video so I drove around about 20 times around City Hall to get a video of the actual uh, City Hall lit up with the C103 Jeep passing by Okay, uh, and the things you do for a short 10 second video it <laughs> It went on for a while. Anyway, uh, finishing that, I took a quick drive around the city before I, to head home. I just went around the different route because of the lanes I was in. Um, and I was around the South Mall area, kind of that area of the city, uh, South Mall, yeah, Grand Parade. Yeah. yeah, and there was a big crowd around. I mean, people were, what seemed to look like people were shopping. Um, there was some of the grocery shops, obviously enough, were open. So people were in and about shopping. Maybe people were in and for about strolling around town because the Christmas lights are on. So, uh, people people were walking obviously admiring the lights which is fine but there was people gathered sitting down uh, having pizza having beer enjoying themselves you know the courthouse steps not a lot there in fairness but on the South Mall to the Glat- or the Grand Parade area there was noticeably uh, good f- not, not thousands were, around the place but there was people around enjoying so, sitting down socialising you felt socialising yeah, yeah. yeah enjoying themselves so I mean it is going to go on I know like Gardaí are saying they are going to enforce it um, but yeah I mean Will it, you it, cop on please it, it, is, go. it is still going on so. OK alright listen thanks for that and uh, it's our own uh, John Paul just going through the different local electoral areas OK we're going to take a break we have Mark Malone reviewing the movies I'm not going to get to the calendars I had hoped to get to take a look at some of the charity calendars that have come in but I don't want to just fly through them I want to spend time on them because some of them are really excellent so I'll take a look at them on Monday but it's, it's a timely reminder to anybody if you're involved with a local charity 
calendar. Can you get the calendar into us? Uh, we're hoping to try to feature as many of the charity calendars across Cork City and County as we can and, and let us know where they're on sale and how much they are. So just so we can encourage people to buy a calendar from you and as a, a boost to your charity because we appreciate how much charities have lost their normal fundraising this year. So if we can help out in any way we can. So you can get your calendars in to Patricia Messenger, C103 Goulds Hill in Manus. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. And Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, is joining me live in a studio. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. You uh, watched a couple of movies for us. One is on a Christmas theme, Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey. And the other is Rogue. And looking at that, that doesn't look like that's a Christmas one for sure. <laughs> but Jingle Jangle is a Christmas movie. Here's a short trailer. Grandpa, you're the greatest inventor of all. This holiday season, you're invited. You just have to believe. To discover the possibilities. What the... It's revolutionary. Experience the magic. Magical boy just came to life. Focus. And share a new holiday tradition with your family. Ah, uh, see, I, I absolutely adore Christmas movies. I'm telling you now, yeah. it's even the bad ones. I'll sit down <laughs> and don't watch it. So it's always good to have a new Christmas movie. So what's this one about? Uh, it's a musical as well, by the way. Yeah, Just that yeah. one you heard the song there, yeah. which I was surprised by because I hadn't heard too much about this when this was released. And I thought, oh, it's a Christmas movie. I, I'll, I'll go along and do it. And then the first song came on and I thought that that's kind of very similar to the music of The Greatest Showman. And indeed, the people who wrote the music for The Greatest Showman have ah. also wrote the songs on this. So if you like those, if you liked The Greatest and Showman... And I loved The Greatest Showman. Yeah, and it's got the same kind of colour pattern in this one. The kind of, and it's just beautiful to look at. If, there was a film out a few years ago with uh, Dustin Hoffman called Mr. Magorium's Wonder uh, Emporium. I don't know if oh, you saw that. Oh, I remember yeah. that. Well, yeah. think about his workshop and then yeah. see it kind of replaced here. I mean, it's just the detail is just absolutely extraordinary. It really is. And But the thing is that the, the film constantly kind of references other films. And I don't know if it was deliberate or not, but I spent the whole time watching it. I watched it with my wife and um, the little one had already seen it. So she thought it was absolutely terrific because she loves The Greatest Showman. And I kept going. There's like a there's um, there's a scene where, for example, we just kept going where that that's from Mary Poppins. That's from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah, they've got a kind of a laneway. We went, oh, that's Harry Potter. That's Diagon Alley. Um, There's a lot of colours, a lot of green colours. So we thought The Wizard of Oz. We thought Wicked. Yeah, Uh, you know, so I don't know if that was deliberate by them or not. But, the, you know, the, there's a scene where they all fly, where you go, Peter Pan. Man, yeah. And uh, and so I don't know if they did that deliberately or not. But certainly as a, as, a, as a movie fan like me, I was really enjoying watching all of that kind of stuff. I was enjoying linking and seeing their kind of tributes to, to other movies, whether officially I tried to look up uh, to see if they, in fact, did that deliberately. I don't know if they did or not. They okay. just, but what they have done, they've just thrown everything at you in this uh, film. The kitchen sink is in there, everything. So it's constantly moving. It's constantly in your face. And there are times when it simply doesn't work. I, I admit that. But most of the time, I just thought it was a really, really joyous experience. And what's interesting, I just I was walking through reception there earlier and, uh, and Sadie said she didn't like it because there were too many songs. And uh, my wife liked it up to about three quarters and then she kind of began to enjoy it. From the very first moment, I just thought this was an absolute delight. I thought it was wonderful. Uh, the story but is... It's interesting what Sadie said she didn't like those too many songs. It's, some people dislike musicals because there's too many songs. Exactly. And if you're a fan of musicals then you're, there's never 
enough yeah, sand. Yeah, at, at one stage, I think, it's funny, we were talking this morning about uh, Greece, and whenever Sandy came on was when all the boys in the, in the cinema would all get bored and go, oh, yes. we don't want to watch Too this. Sloppy. And there are a few slow songs like that. And in fact, I turned to my wife and I said, you know, if we were in the cinema, this is the moment where all the kids would start chanting because, of course, they wouldn't like this particular song. Yeah. And there's a few of those in them. But when the songs do have energy, they are extraordinary. And the, the choreography, the songs themselves are very good. And just the look of the whole film, it's very, very beautiful. I, I was entertained from the very, very first moment. Well done. And, I thought and the storyline? The storyline, Forrest Whitaker plays uh, Jeronicus Jing- Jingle. And what he is, he's, uh, he's, um, he, he makes these dolls and he makes these kind of robotic kind of characters. And uh, he's one of the best toy makers uh, in, in the world. Along comes Keegan-Michael Ray, who steals his book of ideas. He then becomes rich on Forrest Whitaker's ideas. Forrest Whitaker begins to kind of lose kind of faith in himself and confidence when his granddaughter arrives. And she is super, super intelligent. And uh, she manages to kind of uh, resurrect his love of life and love of um, of kind of technology and um, and she is absolutely terrific her name is uh, Madeline Mills there's a sequence with her where she sings this song and it is a beautiful beautiful sequence the interesting thing is that there are English voices in this film uh, it was actually filmed in the UK around Norwich a really really kind of old oh. old villages in New York and uh, sorry in England, Norwich yeah. and in so fact the old England sort yeah, of setting yeah. there's a beautiful sequence with snowballs and they actually got most of the village involved and uh, so you know the people you see are aren't actors they're actually local villagers, villagers who kind of uh, were, were asked to, to be a part I thought it was lovely I thought it was wonderful I loved it from uh, the very first moment and I think do you know what I would say to people is that especially if you've got little girls I think little girls would really love this yeah. wait till Christmas Eve if you have Netflix wait till Christmas Eve sit down and watch it together because it's a perfect Christmas Eve. Movie. Is it okay? Yeah. And Ricky Martin is in it, and he's absolutely terrific. He's is not it? himself. He's playing this kind of little robotic, kind of Hispanic, kind of really arrogant kind of little character. Oh, okay. And he's very, very good. I didn't realize it was him. It was actually, yeah. um, it was actually my wife who said, "Do you know this Ricky Martin?" And I thought, "Oh wow!" And he's very good. Uh, but then everybody's very good. I thought it was a delight from start to finish. I loved it. And it's Jingle Jangle: A Christmas Journey, and it's on Netflix. So mark it out of ten. I'm giving it ten. Ten. Oh well. <laughs> Well done, because I saw somebody say that it's one, you know, for Netflix, it's it's a really high budget. A huge and budget. You, and you can see it. And it's obviously. all there on screen. Okay, yeah. that's great 10 songs, out of 10. Looks for great. A yeah. Christmas movie for us. Now, you also sat down and watched Rogue. This yeah. is an, uh, I see a girl who's just like a soldier with a big gun in her hand. That's Megan Fox, yeah. Uh, oh, it's Megan Fox. Okay, yes. so I'm, I'm talking, we're talking action here. Yes. Um, we're supposed to believe, first of all, that Megan Fox is a... <laughs> tough, old, tough, battle-hardened mercenary with perfect makeup, and, um, <laughs> and and your first thought is what? And you know she heads up this kind of troop of mercenaries, and um, and she's the leader. And you just think, no, I'm not, I'm not buying it. Now, it's not her fault. Obviously, it's the casting director's fault who decided, look, you know, we can get Megan. Let's bring her in. She's completely miscast. Of course she is. And, uh, and it's not her fault because if they offer it to her, she'd go, yeah, I'll go do it. I wouldn't mind. Uh, so she, play, she plays a character called Samantha O'Hara. And um, there's an Irish so, connection there somewhere. So she's sent to uh, Africa because uh, a little girl has been kidnapped and um, the, the paid job is to go in and um, rescue this little girl. 
girl from these rebels. And when they get there, they realize that there's more than one girl. There's four or five. And she decides, no, we're going to rescue them all, even though, uh, you know, part of her troop says, look, that's not what we're here to do. We're mercenaries. We're paid to get this girl. And this could put the mission in danger. It does put the mission in danger uh, because they are delayed because they're trying to get all the girls out and their helicopter explodes. And suddenly they are without transport. And there's a, a scene where they have to they have to jump over a cliff, which is about 200 feet high, but they all survive. But because of that, they have no phones and they have no guns. They find themselves in the plains of Africa being chased by these rebels, which is kind of um, up till then. It's not bad. There's a couple of action sequences which are pretty good. But then somebody obviously decided to have an idea and said, look, that's a bit boring. Let's introduce another element. Let's introduce man-eating tigers. Right? <laughs> so... So obviously, As you do in the I don't know if it was an afterthought, Africa. or what they didn't have the budget, because obviously, I don't know who they got to do the CGI. CGI can be very expensive, but these are the worst CGI lines you have ever seen in your life. Now, at the, when they finally finished the film, when they actually sat down, did they actually think, yes, it's fine, let's just get the film out? Or were they really disappointed? Or what did they think? Because it really does undermine anything that the film would try and achieve. They are so, so badly done and so badly um, produced that it's, it becomes a kind of a joke. You can't take the film seriously. Then somebody decided, look, I tell you what, let's have a sequence with an alligator as well. That'll be fun. A terribly CGI'd alligator. That too is terrible. The whole thing's rubbish. It's awful. I mean, and it it really, was it filmed in the plains of Africa? It was filmed on location. Was it, it was, yeah. Wow. wow. But now, they do use real lions occasionally, but of course, when the lions attack, obviously they had to uh, CGI the lions. And they are, it's terrible. It's like the worst cartoon you could imagine. And um, I don't know why the filmmakers just thought, OK, look, we have a deadline. Maybe we have to get this thing out. Or did they actually think, yeah, they're all right. They'll do. Let's, let's, you know, let's do it. Bizarre. Yeah, Absolutely it, it, bizarre. That's, that's the best way to describe this whole thing. It's bizarre and it's terrible and it's nonsense and it's awful. So if you have a choice... Watch Jingle Jangle. But, okay, you know. all right. And, and I can almost guess what happens whether they get the girls out or not, but we're not going to give away the ending. It's called Rogue. Uh, and it's, is that Netflix or where is that streaming? Uh, that was streaming on, I got that on Sky. Sky, actually. okay. Sky so mark it out of 10, Rogue. Um, for Megan Fox's perfect makeup, uh, two. <laughs> two out of ten. Okay, we'll pass on we'll pass on road, but we're definitely going jingle jangling on a Christmas journey. Listen, Mark, as always, a pleasure. Thank you for that. And uh, we'll chat to you again uh, next Friday. That's Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. I mentioned the charity calendars. Somebody said, Trish, do we actually send in the calendar or just the details? Uh, yeah, if you get the calendar in, it makes it easier for me to take a good look at the calendar and to talk about it and in the hope that I'll be able to sell it for you and sell it well here on the area so yeah if you can get it in that would be great but if not if you just want to send on the details that's okay as well uh, Patricia Messenger C103 Goulds Hill in Mallow Okay that's where we leave you for today Thank you to people saying that they love to see the City Hall lit up in the colours of C103 last night. And once again, our thanks to everybody involved in City Hall for that. Thanks to John Paul and to Sadie uh, for taking your calls today. I'll talk to you Monday at 10 at the Patricia Messenger. Good afternoon. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.